All right, well, good morning. Let me encourage you to take your, uh, open your Bible or your app to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're going to continue our series in the Sermon on the Mount, and particularly these uh, few weeks focusing in on uh, choices uh, that we have in front of us. And so we're going to look this morning particularly at Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. So these are the words of Jesus, and uh, he says this in verse 22. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, it's funny because I think a lot of times people think that uh, pastors, we go to seminary, and uh, then at seminary we learn everything there is to know about the Bible, and then when it's our turn to preach on something, we just draw upon that infinite knowledge and just deliver on that. Uh, but the truth is, um, when I was looking at these verses, my preaching assignment for today a few weeks ago in preparation and thinking this through and preparing and so forth, I thought, I have no idea what Jesus is talking about there. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, it's kind of a you know, nebulous, general sense kind of th thing, but I thought, you know, what in the world does Jesus mean when he took the time to say these couple of sentences here in these two verses? And so what I had to do is I had to study and I had to dig into God's Word, just like we're all called to do, into getting into God's Word. And uh, one of the first things that I draw upon, one of the first rules, is the rule of context. Which is you look around, if, you're, if you want to know what uh, particular verse or verses say, you look at the verses around them to try to get that context. So look with me again at these verses in the context. Let me start again. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus preaching, Jesus teaching here. But start with me at verse 19, and let me read through uh, there, through those verses, and then to the verse that follows it down to verse 24. So, again, from the lips of Jesus, he says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. I just like saying the word vermin, actually, but... Uh, he says, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So I want to give you this morning uh, really just a couple of observations, two observations on these particular verses, verses 22 and 23, and then I'm going to make four applications about those couple of observations, okay? So if you haven't done so already, you'll want to reach inside your celebration folder and pull out uh, the message notes. It has this particular passage in its context as well as uh, the other verses that we're going to look at and some blanks that you can fill in if you care to do so. So, 
Two observations. Here's, here's my first observation about what Jesus is saying here. It's just this. That there seems to be a connection between our eyes, what we're looking at, and our mind, what it is that we're thinking about, and our heart, what it is that we're trusting in and relying on. That what your eyes are seeing impacts your thinking, which impacts your heart, the whole of you, your whole self. And, and I think here, this isn't just contained even to our physical eyes, because, because we see things with our mind's eyes as well. We have images. In fact, here, let's do a little experiment. Everyone close your eyes, and I'm going to just say the word elephant, okay? Now, how many would say, I kind of visualize an elephant happening right there. I can see it right there in my mind. Okay, good. You can open your eyes now. You don't have to go the whole message like that. But, but I think the point, I mean, it, there, there's this connection, see, that's going on between what it is that we're seeing and what it is that we're thinking and our whole body, our heart, what it is that we're trusting in, what it is that we're relying on. It's, it's, it's this holistic aspect. It's all interconnected. And that made me think of something that the Apostle Paul said over in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, where Paul says this. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. It's not like we set out to be taken captive. It can happen almost accidentally because it impacts our thinking. See, what's going on in our mind? If we're not careful, we can be taken captive by things that are built upon human thinking and human tradition by those philosophies rather than our thinking being built on the things of Christ. That's what Paul's saying here. So we need to be careful because what's going on in our mind impacts the whole of us. I think that's going back to what Jesus is saying here, that we need to be careful about what we're allowing into our minds. And I think this has tremendous application when it comes to things like the media. You know, what is it that, the, that, that it's being said? What, what, what songs are we listening to? You know, when you think about it, a song is really just a philosophy set to music, isn't it? It's an approach to life. It's a worldview. Put in a musical, catchy tune kind of thing. What, what are the songs that we're listening to? What, it, what are the TV shows or the movies that we're watching? What is our internet viewing? All of that goes into our mind. It impacts us. So let me kind of illustrate that. And I, did, I decided to do so this morning by picking a Miley Cyrus song because, as you know, I am a big, big Miley fan. And uh, this is a song that she had out. Some of you will be aware of it, and some of you aren't familiar with it. It doesn't matter. But it's a song called uh, We Can't Stop. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're only disappointed that I'm not going to sing it, but I'll quote the lyrics to you. But here's what she says in the song. Pay, pay attention if, if you aren't familiar with the lyrics. But here's what she says. She says, it's our party, and we can do what we want. It's our party, and we can say what we want. It's our party and we can love who we want. We can kiss who we want. We can sing what we want. Red cups and sweaty bodies everywhere. Hands in the air. Like we don't care because we came to have so much fun but somebody 
here might get some now. If you're not ready to go home, can I get a hell no? Because we're going to go all night till we see the sunlight. All right. So, la, da, dee, da, dee. We like to party. <laughs> Dancing with Miley, doing whatever we want. This is our house. This is our rules. And we can't stop. Can't you see? It's we who own the night. Can't you see? It's we who bout that light. We can't stop. We run things. Things don't run we. Don't take nothing from nobody. It's our party. We can do what we want. It's our party. We can say what we want. It's our party. We can love who we want. We can kiss who we want. We can sing what we want. To my homegirls here with the big butt shaking it like <laughs> at the strip club. Remember only God can judge you. Forget the haters because somebody loves you. And everyone in line in the bathroom trying to get a line in the bathroom. We also turned up here getting turned up. Yeah, yeah. So la, da, dee, da, dee. We like to party, dancing with Miley, doing whatever we want. This is our house. This is our rules. And we can't stop. Can't you see? It's we who own the night. Can't you see? It's we who bout that life. And we can't stop. So we run things. Things don't run we. Don't take nothing from nobody. It's our party. We can do what we want. It's our party. We can say what we want. It's our party. We can love who we want. We can kiss who we want. We can sing what we want. Now, I'm not trying to pick on little Hannah Montana here. <laughs> but here's my question. Stay with me on this. Do you feel like inputting this philosophy into your mind over and over again will help or hinder your effort at walking a godly life. See where I'm coming from? And, and, and listen, let's be honest. I've exposed my mind to far worse than this. You have too. So don't get lost in the illustration. That, that's not it. But, but here's my point. Can you see how exposing our minds to this philosophy, again, that's all a song is, to this philosophy or any philosophy that's built on human tradition or worldly things, can you see how exposing our minds to these philosophies over and over again will impact how we think and how we act? I don't care how much we pray or read our Bible or go to church. It's all interrelated between our eyes and our, and our mind and our heart. There's this connection that's there. And I think that's the point that Jesus is trying to make there. It all impacts us. It's all tied together. That's my first observation. Here's my second. It's just this. That then there's also a connection here between these things and money. And, and I make that observation on the context here. You know, the verses just before, verse 19 to 21, mentions our treasures three different times. It tells us that we're not to be storing up our treasures here, that we're to be storing up our treasures in heaven. And then Jesus says these couple of sentences, and then he comes back, he circles back around to the topic of money in verse 24 and says, you can't serve the master of God and money. You got to choose which of those masters you're going to serve. Now, why is that, that you have to choose? I think it's because there's this connection 
back to our eyes and our mind and our heart. In Psalm 52, beginning in verse 7, it says this. It said, here now is a man who did not make God his stronghold, but he trusted in his great wealth. And he grew strong by destroying others. But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name, for your name is good. I've made this choice to put my trust in you, to make you my master, not the master of money. Like this other guy that he starts with there. You see, there's this snare of money. That money will always tempt us to put our hope and our trust and our identity and our security in it instead of putting it into God. There's this built-in snare there. Now, it's important that you understand this. Don't, don't, don't miss this. You need to understand there's nothing wrong with money. I mean, sometimes you can get that impression in church, can't you? Like, oh, you have money. You're a bad Christian. You haven't given it all away, you know. <laughs> That's not the case. Money is a blessing. And some of you have the gift of being able to acquire wealth. That's a good thing. Rejoice in that. The Bible is not anti-money. It is not anti-wealth. In fact, many godly people in the Bible were people of great wealth. But we have to recognize that, that with money comes this built-in danger. This always potential snare to trust in it rather than trusting in God. And I think that's because of this connection that Jesus is making here in Matthew chapter 6. Let me illustrate it with a biblical story. Uh, you'll be familiar with this story, a lot of you, if you've read your Bible or been around church. John chapter 12 uh, is a story where Jesus is there. Uh, this is after he's raised Lazarus from the dead. And uh, he's, he's at a, a dinner, a special occasion, at the home of Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And so starting in verse 1, it says that six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary, this great act of worship happens. It says, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. And she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. This, this um, thing that wasn't on the agenda, that Mary does this beautiful act of worship. We're told in a few verses later that she took this expensive vial of perfume that was probably worth, I mean, it was worth about a year's wages. So that'd be about $25,000 in modern day understanding. I mean, it was probably her dowry. 
It was probably the thing that she had as part of the wedding bargain to give to her future groom. She took that. And because she was just so overwhelmed with her, her gratitude and love to Jesus for who he was, she, she does this, this beautiful act of worship. Maybe it's because we read it elsewhere in Scripture that this has happened to Jesus before from, from another person who had done this. But she, she takes this and she busts it open and she... she she puts it on Jesus' feet. She anoints his feet with that and then wipes it with her hair. But then John contrasts this with another act of worship, another understanding of worship about what was going on with another person there at this party. It says in verse 4 that, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. And he said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now, again, that's a fair question to ask. But John reveals to us what was going on behind that question for Judas in verse 6. He says, and he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. You see, Judas was a worshiper too. And he had given his heart not to Jesus, but to money and what it could buy. Judas was worshiping as well as Mary. And that's because we are all hardwired to worship something and sin is not so much those those bad things that we do as it is that we turn to things other than to God to satisfy us Tim Keller says it this way we make good things ultimate things and we do that by placing our affection our identity on the created things rather than the creator. It's what led Martin Luther to make this great observation. Martin Luther said that, that all the breaking of the Ten Commandments is really rooted in breaking the first two. Question, or commandment number one, don't have any other gods because there's only one true God. And commandment number two, don't turn to created things. Don't turn those created things into God. Why? Because, see, commandment number one, there's only one true God. So don't turn created things into God. But we do. John Calvin concluded, see, that the human heart is an idol factory. And so what we do is we make gods out of everything and everyone. And so back to Martin Luther's point, the reason then that we lie and steal and commit adultery and all of those other commandments that we break is because we keep looking for satisfaction in things that we can control rather than submitting to the one true God. And you see, what money does is it gives us the illusion of control. And that's why 
there's this connection, see, between our eyes and our mind and our heart and money. Because we're idolaters. And knowing that about ourselves, we must protect ourselves from our own deceptions. See, you know, when you really think about it, you know, a lot of the Christian life is really just this. It's just, it's just building disciplines and practices and procedures, dealing, putting things in place in our lives to protect ourselves from our own deceptions. And that's because there's this link, see, between what's going on inside of us, what we see, what we're thinking, our heart, all of us, and money. And so, in light of these two observations, let me give you just four quick applications, okay? Prepare to be wowed. Here's the first one. Deep, deep stuff. Application number one is we need to be careful, little eyes, what you see. You know, the, the older we get, the more we realize we learned what we needed to know as children a lot of times, right? But that's really true. We need to be careful what we're looking at. We need to pay attention to what we're, we're paying attention to. Because it does matter what we are allowing into our mind through our eye gate. And that's because, application number two, we need to be careful, little mind, what you think. Now, uh, let's be realistic about this thing. Because of the world that we live in, you can't avoid some level of exposure, right? I mean, the solution is not to move off to some hut in the woods and disassociate yourself with everyone or to poke out your eyes so you can't see anymore like Jesus referred to earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. That's not the solution. But we do need to be careful about what we're allowing into our mind. Martin Luther, again, to quote him, put it this way. He said, you can't control the birds flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Right? See, we can't control something. We're going to be exposed to some level, but we need to stop deceiving ourselves. Saying things to ourselves like, oh, I can listen to this, or I can watch this, or I can be involved with this, and it doesn't affect me. It does affect us because of this connection, see, between what we're looking at and thinking and what's going on in our heart and all of us. And so, here's application number three then, is we need to continually be tuned into the danger of money. Now again, here's the balance. It's, there's no blessing in being poor. You can be poor and ungodly too, right? That's not the point. But the point is, in the midst of God's blessings, we have this tendency, because we're idolaters, we have this tendency to start worshiping the gifts instead of the giver. We have this tendency. And because we live in a prosperous nation, which we do, because of that, we have to continually guard our hearts against looking to money and to stuff for happiness and for security and identity and all of those other things. We have to guard our hearts against that danger. We have to be aware constantly of that danger. 
And so your homework is to do some thinking this week in terms of what does that mean practically for you? I don't know what it is. I do think there's some implications of this aspect towards a couple of areas. I'll, let, me, let me kind of give you some thoughts on that. I, I think one of the implications is to the aspect of giving. You know, if you didn't hear last weekend's message by Jay Akins on giving, I, go online, listen to that. There's just great insights on there because there's something about purposeful, planned, percentage giving, I think it just releases our grasp on money a little bit. And so I, I, th I think there's some implications on that. I, I'd encourage you to think that through. What does that mean for you? I think another implication on this that's worth thinking through is, is just how this relates to the whole aspect of generosity. I, I mean, here's what I mean by that. I mean, how do you look at the stuff you have? The money that you have, the things that you buy with the, with the money that you have. How do you, how do, how do you view that? Do you view those things as blessings at the hand of God that then he gives you with the responsibility of turning around and capitalizing on how to use those blessings to bless others, to minister to others, to advance the kingdom of God? Do you look upon that stuff as these are things that God has put into my hands to turn around and use those to advance the kingdom? Or do you view, no, this is my stuff, I earned it, and now... All I need to do is c consume this upon myself. See, this is for my benefit because it's my stuff. I mean, how do you look at that stuff? Uh, here, I'll, I'll get even more practical with it. Um, if you've got a big old TV, okay, nothing wrong with a big old TV. The bigger the better, right? But if you've got a big old TV, do you look at that television as, hey, this is mine, and it's to be used for my enjoyment, for my family's enjoyment. I never give any thought to how I could capitalize on this as a blessing at the hand of God that I could use for the purpose of advancing kingdom things. Maybe that's to have other people in to watch games and things with me so that in the process I'm building relationships so that I can talk to them about Jesus. Do you look at it that way? Or is this my stuff, see? Here, here, if you got a boat, that's a safe one because not many of us have a boat, right? But if you got a boat, is this my boat to, for me to enjoy? And there's nothing wrong. If God's blessed you with a boat, enjoy it. But do you look upon this as, no, this is just for my enjoyment? Or is it a blessing at the hand of God that's not only for my enjoyment, but for me to capitalize upon how to use it to advance the kingdom? If you got a big house. You know, is this my house just for me, my family, stay out of it? Or is this a blessing at the hand of God? Now, before you go think, oh, well, shoo, I don't have a big old house, but here, here's what I want to remind you. Here's what I want to remind you. If you have a house with more than one or two rooms in it, by the standards of the world, the rest of the world, the globe, you have a big old house. So do you see that house as something that you've earned, that's something to be consumed on you, your family, no one else. Or do you see that as a blessing at the hand of God? That's your responsibility to then turn around and figure out how does God want me to use this to, to bless others, to minister to others, to capitalize upon that to advance the kingdom. If you got a car, you think, well, yeah, if I had a 2013 Lexus, I'd use it for Jesus. But... <laughs> But you know, if you got a 12-year-old beater, by the standards of the world, 
the vast majority of the world would trade places with you in a New York minute to have a car, any car. See, do you view that as this is my car to be used for my purposes and my things? Or do you see, no, this is a blessing at the hand of God to be capitalized for kingdom advantage. You see where I'm going with this? And you just, you, again, you need to think this through. You need to hear from the Holy Spirit. Let him speak to you about this. But I think when we grab hold of the aspect that there's this connection, all of this going on, we need to be aware of the dangers of money. And we need to see that the things God gives us are blessings into our hand to be used for his purposes not just to be consumed upon ourselves. And so in view of all of this, the fourth application, in view of the danger of money, in view of being careful of what we see, and being careful of what we think about all of those things, here's the fourth application. It's just this. We need to intentionally give effort and energy to worshiping the true God. You see, what it is that we're looking at a lot with our eyes will impact what we're thinking about. What it is that we're focusing on with our mind's eye will impact our heart. And so we need to be sure that we do the things that we need to do to help ourselves keep focusing on Jesus. Paul in Colossians chapter 3 put it this way. He says, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So I think one of those things that we need to do to help ourselves keep focusing on Jesus is to give intentional effort at worshiping the one true God. And so we're going to do that now. How's that? Immediate application. Isn't that great? But as we're doing that, as here in just a minute, we're going to rise together and we're going to give energy and effort to worshiping the one true God. I just wonder if, while we're doing that, if maybe there's some of us who have something going on in our life right now that we would say, you know what's standing between in my wholehearted worship of God is something that's going on in my life right now. Maybe there's something you need to repent of. Maybe there's something that's clogging up your heart right now in psalm chapter 51 verses 10 to 12 the prayer that david prays is this part of it he says create in me a pure heart O god and renew a steadfast spirit within me do not cast your presence or or take your holy spirit from me but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And so maybe it is, even as we're worshiping, that one of the parts of your worship would be just to take advantage of one of these prayer partners that'll be over here or over here, is just to go to them and say, hey, you know what, there is this thing that's clogging up my heart right now, and I know it, and I just want to come clean with God about that. And, and listen to me, if you're in Christ, repenting of our sins, That doesn't make us any more righteousness. Our righteousness rests upon who we are in Christ. But it does clear away the clutter that stands between us and being wholeheartedly open to God. And so if there's something going on there, I mean, it it doesn't have to be colossal. Whatever that is, you know if there's something right there 
that's standing there that you need to, to come and just come clean with God about. You need to express your sorrow to God over that. You just need to admit it. Then take advantage of this time, talking to God there as we worship or coming to a prayer partner and saying, would you stand in that place with me to just admit this to God? We're going to do that. But I think there's two aspects. I don't want you to lose this because I, I think there's two aspects here in responding to God. I, I, I think one is this aspect of just repenting, of coming clean, if there's any blockage there. But I think the other aspect is the ongoing aspect, and, and that is this, that we need to put into place the practices, the disciplines, the habits that will help us guard our hearts against our own deceptions. Because what we're looking at what we're listening to, what we're allowing into our mind impacts us. And so we need to put those things in place so that we're, again, not only coming clean with God, we're confessing, but we're, we're taking our steps. Again, it's not on us, it's on Jesus. But what is on us is to do the things that we can to, st to keep that line open. And so let's respond, okay? We're going to worship. Would you stand and I'll pray for us? And then we're going to we're going to spend time worshiping God. And I, I want to encourage you, even as we worship here, to, to put effort and energy into worshiping the one true God. Because here's what I think happens in worship. First of all, we're, giving, we're, we're acknowledging to God who he is. It's for him first and not us. But, but I think this aspect happens in worship too. We're telling our hearts what to believe. Isn't that part of it? And so as we sing that his glory is forever and, and it's about his and his name is a strong tower and we need to trust in him and all of these different things is we're acknowledging that his kindness leads us to repentance and it's not, it, 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 it's, it's not that I get what I deserve, it's I get what Jesus gave to me on the cross. As we, as we tell ourselves these things, our heart starts to believe them. And so as we're worshiping, worship God with effort and energy, but as we're doing it, Again, these prayer partners, if, if it's something to repent of, you take advantage of that. If, it, if it's just stuff going on in your life that you would benefit from, if there's healing that you need, and you just want someone to help you call out to God for that, if it's whatever, we're going to do that, okay? And we're going to worship just as we sing these next few songs. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, in the culture that we live in, we are getting philosophies preached at us nonstop. And it's just so easy to believe them, to rest in them, to trust in them, whether it's things or people, we're, we're just idolaters. God, we confess that to you. We acknowledge that. Help us take the steps to stay clean and right and, and to have open hands and, and pure hearts before you. And so I pray that as we just worship you now, that you would receive these expressions from our heart to you, and that you'd be working in us in the process. I pray it in your name and for your glory. Amen.